If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. It's time to check in with the fat emperor, Ivor Cummins, for our final chat with Ivor, all the way from Dublin. Before we wind up uh, for 2023, though, I'm sure we'll be back chatting in 2024. Ivor, good to have you back one last time before the year ends. Yeah, great to be here, Paul. Always enjoy the chat. Same. And uh, we always uh, follow what comes out of Ireland because, uh, you know, what comes out of Ireland could be coming out of here anytime soon or vice versa. So let's start off with a story that we heard about a few weeks ago, and that was the the teacher who has been suspended, Enoch Burke, um, because he refused to refer to a trans student by their preferred pronouns. And wasn't he put in prison? What the hell is going on there? Yeah, well, Paul, he's still in prison, and there's been vigils held recently, coming up to Christmas, of course. And roughly speaking, yeah, he refused to use the pronouns, but it's not quite as simple as that, uh, as you can exp- as you can imagine. So he refused to use the pronouns. He was pressured to use them. One of the pupils thought they were um, the other sex. Now, very interestingly, a week or two later after the fuss blew up, it transpired that the parents of the student had no idea what was going on and didn't even know that their kid was coming out with this nonsense. Huh. And that should have, yeah, that should have been a huge story. But of course, the media wouldn't cover it. They'd only vilify Burke because they're all bought and paid for. But that aside, he did disrupt a couple of meetings with the other teachers and basically raised the point of his plight. And they said he was disruptive. And then after a bit of this, they suspended him. And then they got a ruling that he couldn't attend the school. And he insisted on going ahead and turning up at the school anyway. And then there was a series of legalistic things. And yes, he spent many months now in jail and he will not comply with the nonsense. So it's not as simple as they locked him up for not using pronouns. He, on a point of principle, refuses to acknowledge their nonsense and pretty much will keep turning up the school to to. Uh, complain, I guess, or to say this is not acceptable. And as a result, he's putting up with months and months in jail. And the other side, the nutters pushing this kind of agenda, they all say, well, he can easily get out of jail if he just agrees to stay at home and take it lying down. Uh, But he won't. Um, That's interesting, but we didn't know, well, I hadn't heard anyway, that the parents were unaware of of the kid... um their own kid um yeah and when i saw that and it was in a a kind of a regional paper the main media of course like with the stabbings recently avoid any news that goes against the narrative but it did come out it was official and it was extraordinary that they didn't even know their kid was coming out with this nonsense never mind that a teacher was being um kind of pushed into court over not using the pronouns. And apparently one teacher in the school was instigating and driving the nonsense. Oh dear. You know, so it's clearly a case he never should have even been approached. And I guess that's his principle. Like this whole thing is completely absurd 
I'm not guilty. I'm not lying down. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, interesting uh, to uh, hear that uh, that information that we weren't aware of before. Uh, you mentioned those stabbings too. What has been? Because how long ago is that now? Oh wow, that's that must be going on four weeks. I I think it was twenty yeah. first rings a bell November. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it must be around four weeks. And the most amazing thing there is radio silence in the media now on the child who was absolutely critical. That child it was reported a week and a half later, almost no reports on at the child's status. And now that I think of it, I could be wrong. I haven't heard any more about that child. And there were, were rumours, and I will say rumours, that the child was basically clinically um, lost effectively even from the day it happened but they don't want to share that now that is a rumor that is I'll, I'll state but now it's a month later and you know from a stabbing generally speaking medically if you go into hospital after being stabbed you're either out in a few days or or something else and now it's yeah. many weeks no one reporting on it as far as i'm aware normally a story i've worked in newsrooms for many years a story like that would be revisited over and over. Absolutely. If it was a famous COVID case person, we would have seen updates every day for months. And certainly in a case like this, if it wasn't a problem for the narrative, you're absolutely right. We would have articles every day on a rolling basis across the media on the latest with that poor child. But... Um, yeah, there's nothing. So like the corruption in the media and the capitulation of the media to their paymasters is so complete. The journalists and the editors just know we're not meant to discuss that. And they don't. It's interesting because um, a story like that, which, um, you know, you're following a recovery of a kid and everyone's, you know, rooting for the kid and um, it's a, incredible story kind of thing that produces clicks which produces income so they're willing to forego that absolutely and i i know it's it's not a very nice thing but you're right that's the media uh they're foregoing i found here actually the last one that comes up in google is 11th of december so that's three weeks i think after the incident and it's nine days ago that's yeah. what comes up still fighting for her life in intensive care uh, fighting for many life. weeks. Okay. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, I'm not a, med a stabbing medical expert, but yeah. Well, usually fighting for their life is, is bad, you know. I've, I've said that one a well, few times. It's usually bad. Yeah, and, and particularly with the stab injury, fighting for your life many weeks later, that's almost impossible for that kind of injury. I mean, I'd guess it's a life support scenario. Again, yeah. I don't know that, but that would be my guess. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Okay, Slovenia unwinding the insane institutional corruption deployed during the COVID scam. That's on one of your feeds. What's happened there? Well, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great news story. Uh, we found during COVID, the Eastern Europeans were were excellent compared to the soft, fat Western Europeans who fell for COVID scam completely. So they were much better, uh, fewer lockdowns, more protests, more governmental kind of 
unhappiness with complying with international pressure for madness and lockdowns. And, and here we are. Slovenia had many millions of euro, I believe, in fines that I guess the government felt they had to impose based on international pressure. And now the government are basically handing back all the fines, refunds for everyone. So they're cancelling the, I think, 80 or 90 percent that were never paid and they're refunding at the percent that were paid. So that's a big statement, obviously. Do we know if it's a goodwill thing? Well, um, obviously, they, they feel morally that they have to. A goodwill thing, or was it illegal to find them on that basis in the first place and they're only sort of you know, reacting to that? Do we know? Um, the article I found in Euronews doesn't actually really say um, all infractions will be redacted from people's records. Uh, oh, all okay. proceedings yeah. to enforce penalties will be halted. And as I go through the article again, um, yeah, it, it doesn't say exactly, but it says passed in September, the bill was explicitly framed by the current justice minister, uh, I won't go through the name, as an effort to make up for the excesses of pandemic policing under the previous government, or as she put it, the injustices that were committed against citizens through the abuse of criminal law and unconstitutional and excessive encroachment on human rights. That's wow. the statement. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's promising. Um, hopefully it doesn't stop there. Um, in fact, it would be interesting to know how many people were fined here. Though um, you mentioned that, um, you know, the, the percentage of unpaid, that was a feature. A lot of people never paid their fines. They, you know, that yeah. was the that was the middle finger to the establishment. And I think, in terms of debt collection, the capacity wasn't there to react to it. Yeah, and I don't think the will was there either. Even in Ireland, doctors that got inquiries put to remove their licenses, many of them are being stretched out. And I think basically the system knows the scam was there to run until the vaccine came out and then the vaccine had to get a high percentage take up, hence the passports and all the madness. And I think the system knows now it's yesterday's scam. So they're not pursuing any of the nonsense. Uh, they're allowing it to stretch out, or in Slovenia's case, they're putting their hand up and admitting it was nonsense. But in Ireland, I think, in England, also my memory last year is similar thing happened quietly. They were just not pursuing any of the fines. Right. So the system yeah. is, it's like if you or I pulled off a scam at a smaller scale, and after we got what we wanted, we'd kind of just want to move on. Yeah, we'd bail exactly out. Yeah. Pull up the rope ladder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pull it up, move on to the next scam. Did anyone uh, mention climate? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, quite a few, probably. You say the word scam, the, the word association <laughs> yeah. comes up with that one quite often. Yeah, that's it. Um, but, uh, I was going to ask you also, um, because we are, I don't know how much you know about uh, what's come out of our election, but... One of the promised um, items in the coalition agreement is a wide-ranging, full, um, no-holds-bar, no-stone-left-unturned, all those descriptions, inquiry into the whole COVID experience, including lockdowns, masks, efficacy of vaccine, testing, injuries, deaths, everything, which sounds really good next year. 
But uh, we are aware that there has been an inquiry in the UK. How do you think that's gone? Is that some sort of um, template or some exemplar of how how our inquiry could be or should not be? I, I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, unsurprisingly, it's the should not be. It's the latter. So I predicted, and many did in fairness, that the UK inquiry would be a complete um, whitewash. And it was actually worse than that. So rather than kind of meekly admit that they overstepped the mark with the lockdown nonsense, because it's proven scientifically now to have achieved no measurable results and caused horrific damage, of course, that's all on the record now. Um, but rather than just admit maybe they could have done less of that and managed it more logically, they've all come out pretty much. And the word in the inquiry is mistakes were made. We should have locked down earlier. And, and that's obviously just shocking. So wait, wait on, word... wait on. Did I did I hear that? Did I hear that right? Yeah. That we should have locked down earlier. That that is the primary comment that I saw uh, ejected from the inquiry into the media. Right. That oh yes, we well we we could have locked down earlier and maybe it, it wouldn't have been as bad. So it was all around Boris not locking down, and they could have locked down earlier and maybe done a bit better. It is comical. So clearly, what came down the line through the barristers and the people running the inquiry and, and out to all the people who were attendees, the message had come down, the inquiry can't find that lockdown is a problem. And I would guess because they want to reserve the right to use it again in the future for of some course. other nonsense. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was very funny. The other day, Rishi Sunak, isn't it? He yes. was being grilled by the barrister running the whole thing. And he actually mentioned truthfully, well, actually, you know, we know from Quali's quality adjusted life years uh, that the lockdown probably, you know, caused more problems than than it solved, which was a very mild admission, right? Oh. Because it's much worse than that. The lockdown did nothing and it caused horrific damage. But he mentioned quality adjusted life years. And that's from a, a, a report in England that I shared in summer 2020. And it basically suggested because only elderly people were affected by COVID in any meaningful way, uh, that actually the lockdown would cause probably much more collateral damage uh, because young people would be affected by that and their health. So Rishi mentioned this in the inquiry. And you know what the barrister did? Well, he, he, quickly, did. He, he drowned him out. And he said, oh, we, yeah, we're, we're not getting into qualies and all that stuff. He actually shut him down. What? He didn't want that going on the record. Okay. Just as it gets interesting, right? Gosh. Mm, exactly. So it's clearly been uh, steered and steered so um, kind of maliciously that the guy running the inquiry knows as soon as someone says something that even touches on questioning lockdown, he has to actually intervene and stop it and make sure it doesn't go on the record. So it's absolute fraud, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, that's if you assume that um, that locking down people is the way to stop the spread, because I've seen, I think it was on Dr. John Campbell, a woman giving a very compelling um, um, case for the spread to actually be airborne in waves 
over quite long distances because the particles of the virus are so small that they just they float, you know, and um, you can randomly uh, breathe one in. The odds are pretty low. And the spread seemed to indicate waves in just a day or two between towns and villages, which wouldn't have been possible if everyone was locked down. So I don't think anyone really knows yet how it spread. Yeah, it's a great point, Paul. And I shared papers back again in summer 2020. Uh, we had come to learn about dormancy. In other words, books like Edward Hope Simpson had uh, published a book in the 80s after 50 years working on influenza transmission. And he showed that long before international travel, the flu would burst up simultaneously all over the Western Hemisphere. And he made the point that this is not being spread from person to person in a classic sense. But I also shared uh, papers that large published papers showing how viruses can move in the upper atmosphere, even in the dusts and sands mm. in a dormant state and travel huge distances. You know, and then we have the people during COVID who are double tested negative who are out at sea, a handful of people, double tested negative, and then they had a COVID outbreak at sea, isolated from everyone else. Yeah. We had a yeah. few incidents of that. So yeah, viruses are very complex. They're ubiquitous. Uh, hundreds of billions of viruses all over the world traveling uh, in incredible ways. And the system basically took this simplistic kind of licking a doorknob kind of model in order to pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah, so the way you talk about that inquiry, and it'll probably be, uh, I imagine, um, the position taken here, um, it, it doesn't even look at the absolute fundamentals. So how could you get any, if you assume that lockdowns or, or limiting movement be uh, between people um, is going to stop the spread, and you can't get out of that. There's always going to be a lockdown, isn't there, <laughs> in any of these situations ever in the future? There's always going to be lockdown. Well, that's the intention, because yeah. from the very top, from the WEF, the UN, the WHO, and all the bad guys who ran this shit show, um, yeah, the lockdown worked amazingly for their kind of strategy of pushing the vaccine. So to them, lockdown is incredibly effective. It's almost magical. So they're not going to let it go. Now, the good thing, Paul, just for the listeners, the people will be a very different response next time they try to actually take our freedoms. It's going to be very different than COVID. So COVID caught everyone by surprise. Oh, my God, massive virus, granny's dying, can't breathe. We need to help. And the people kind of went, shit, I don't know anything about viruses, and it sounds like it's bad. The media 24-7 is saying the hospitals are stuffed with people suffering and dying. So they appealed to the people's empathy, and the people said, well, I can kind of sit at home and watch Netflix for a couple of weeks to save granny. But imagine next time, Paul, after what we've been through, imagine the response when the government starts saying, we want to lock you up. Going to be different, right? You would bloody well hope so. I was just thinking as you were <laughs> saying that, the other thing that was, I think, very useful in, in the fear bit there were, were the graphics that were created of the virus itself, you know, that sort of 
weird sort of sphere with hairy bits hanging off it and these sort of nody things. Um, I, it reminded me of the start of that 70s uh, series. Um, was it Survival, where the, uh, a huge pandemic went through and killed virtually everyone, and they're all sort of um, trying to work out how to live again, the survivors. Yeah, Survivor, I think it was called. But they had that scene in the beginning with the lab, just like the lab, and this thing flo- falling on the floor, and it was like this horrible sort of blob that started to move out and sort of move around. You know, it's scary stuff. Yeah, it, it is. And we saw that wall-to-wall. Every tool of modern propaganda was used, including all the technology and all the imagery And we saw the ads that ran in the NHS, I think it was in the UK, showing like old people in beds with breathing masks on. And and it said, look into his eyes and tell him you don't want to wear a mask. So there was absolute psychological propaganda. And, you know, the virus from the start reminded me, the pictures of the virus they'd done, of mines in World War II. Yeah, yeah, those mines that floated around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was just, yeah, it was wall to wall propaganda. It was extraordinary to observe. There's no doubt about it. Do you remember there was a cartoon that was quite funny as a simple black and white cartoon? And it said origins of covid or how the epidemic started was was the title. And it just showed uh, Wuhan uh, lab and it showed a cat on a laboratory counter and the cat's paws just knocking over a flask. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, stranger things have happened. There yeah. you go. So Tedros Abnaham Gabriasis has been visiting your country. Yeah, I just actually caught that uh, this morning, or yesterday I think it was, but he was here on Monday. So Ted the sociopath, uh, I mean, he's just an incredible individual. Again, comical to watch in his updates. He's clearly lying on everything. But he also brought Michael Ryan, the kind of whiskey-faced Irish doctor who went right up to the top of the WHO. And he was a major henchman during COVID. Like you'd watch him with horror as he, you know, when he came out with, and I shared the clip recently, I've got a video I saved and he came out in a press conference and said that it may be spreading in the homes as well as we lock down. And he said, we may have to go in and remove people. He actually said, Uh. he threatened, we may have to go into houses and and remove people for quarantine. Well, I think they they said that in Australia and did that in a few cases in Australia as well. Well, yeah, it was shocking in Australia and I think New Zealand. And they set up camps and they were punishment internment camps for people who wouldn't take their stupid tests. So it did happen in pockets around the world. uh, But they would have liked to have done it everywhere to increase the terror and the psychological torture and the fear. But luckily, in most countries, that generally didn't happen. But it's clear they would have liked it to happen. And Ryan was over and he's a load of guff here in the article. They met with Leo Varadkar, young global leader of the WEF, our prime minister as such. And Ryan is going on and on here about how the inquiry needs to build on what we achieved. And if we did an inquiry, how there's no point blaming and pointing fingers. No way. Yeah, that's not productive. 
So it comes down to the objective and the purpose. And he's clearly setting it up like the UK one. The inquiry will have to be a whitewash where we say how well we lock down. And he also is full of praise for Ireland, who where he said the scientific science was driving the car in Ireland, which was great. And it wasn't the case everywhere. He's he's applauding Ireland for being the most locked down in Europe. And if you look and this is so funny, it's a pity we don't have visuals here. But if you look at the COVID debt rates, supposed COVID positive PCR deaths and a graph of all the countries in Europe, it's a perfect line. And every country is sitting pretty much on that line based on the age of its population. So it's a line, if people imagine the line, exponential going upwards. And on the right, on the line, are all the countries with the most aged populations have a high COVID death rate. And down on the left, the countries with a younger demographic have a low COVID death rate. And Ireland is on that line, and so is Sweden. Because Sweden is an aged demographic, it had higher COVID mortality. But in short... The mortality you got from COVID was a function simply of your demographic. Ireland is a young demographic. Sweden and UK are aged. And all of these goons are pretending that Ireland's lockdown was connected to its lower death rate. Uh, and yeah. that's a complete fraud. It's so obvious. Obvious. Yeah. Doesn't matter, though, does it? No, that's a problem. But I think on the message of hope, I really do think there's massively higher awareness around the Western world now that something was seriously wrong with the COVID nonsense. And I think we've inoculated our population somewhat against future nonsense. Um, that's why they're rushing in censorship laws we talked about last time. They need to censor because they know there's a lot of people talking and they don't want that. Yeah, and what are the um, what are the search or inquiry or uh, whatever areas uh, targets um, for censorship are there at the moment? What are the concentrated ones? Uh, is COVID? I don't think COVID's being so censored now, is it? But there must be other things. Yeah, I think they 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 accept like I would if I were running their kind of clown show that they're running. I would realize, well, COVID now, to be honest, there's no point running around after COVID now. The people talking about it, still talking about it, let them talk about it. The focus I found reverse engineering, the posts that I've gotten taken down from LinkedIn, the posts or the videos demonetized on YouTube, very clear to me. What they don't want people talking about now are two primary areas. Uh, World Economic Forum, UN, so any of the geopolitical history or any of the, the stuff about them and climate. So that's what I've seen getting hit for me in the last couple of months, very specifically. In fact, yesterday I loaded up a video on YouTube for release, an interview with Professor Emerita Judith Curry, an or atmospheric scientist. We've had her on she, here. Yeah, she's a great yeah, lovely lady. And for the first time, I've never seen this, actually. Usually the automatic algorithm checks when you upload a video, they take 10 minutes. They check for anything that, you know, makes a video inappropriate 
uh, or maybe shouldn't be monetized. Maybe it's got violence or sex or something that advertisers wouldn't like. Yesterday, uh, it was demonetized by the automatic algorithm. A conversation between me and a professor emerita uh, on atmospheric science, on the risk, and on our new book, uh, Climate, uh, I think it's Climate, Uncertainty and Risk. And it got automatically demonetized before, before it even released. I mean, that's astonishing. I haven't even seen that before for COVID stuff. Usually the video goes out and then they come back at you a day later. I think when people complain from the WHO. Yeah, this or whatever, is an AI kind of uh, thing, right? Yeah, and and it's it's very rare that it picks something up. But I think now they've changed the algorithm. I obviously would never be putting on a video that truly needed to be demonetized or taken down because mm. it had violence or or something in their rule book. And I checked their rules for demonetization and uh, talking about climate is not in their own rules. Oh, okay. And I, I, I think it's because, Paul, to be honest, they don't want to actually say, we're going to demonetize and censor if you talk about climate, because to do that would be, would be newsworthy. People will go, huh? You're not allowed to talk about climate? Excuse me? Mm -hmm. You know, so they don't want to say it, but I think they're quietly doing it. So that means that is going to be the weaponized thing. I, I'd i say so. And LinkedIn is the same. The I'm only putting up published material. Obviously, I'm only putting up real science. So my accounts are a good kind of a canary in the coal mine. Because if people are putting up conspiracy stuff and weird stuff and getting censored, that that makes the signal noisy. But I'm able to get a clean signal because I'm only putting up real science and accurate stuff. So it's interesting to watch, well, what do I get censored? And it's climate and WEFUN. WEF's interesting as well, because um, haven't they been uh, losing stuff from their internet pages that was there oh. before? Oh, yeah. I I haven't verified myself, but I've seen many comments about that, and people are archiving, and I have a massive archive too. And actually, with our, <laughs> excuse me, COVID Chronicles movie, we released uh, a couple of gigabytes of the archives I had held up to 21, uh, masses. So everything's stored, but yeah, they're quietly dropping stuff. As you can imagine, if you carry out a scam, a fraud, a crime, of course it's important to start clearing up your tracks. And then combining that with climate, and what was the other one, uh, the, the third one that you mentioned there? UN, was well, it? WEF-UN I, I put together because I would right. see WEF, uh, United Nations, Club of Rome, WHO, and the climate IPCC. They're all part of a kind of superstructure, uh, which was started by the Rockefeller Brothers Fund in the fifties. Okay. So they're all part. Yeah. They're all in together, uh, all in it together. And it's kind of weird because who cares what anyone says about the climate? I mean, I might have some crazy ideas about the climate. I think you know that the spaghetti monster makes the climate. Who cares? Well, if you're selling one of the greatest kind of. Uh, frauds of human history 
uh, you care. Uh, and that that's basically it. it. You would say, well, who cares? But the problem is the people who carried off COVID and are now pursuing climate as a major strategy. Um, yeah, they're the ones who care a lot. No one else cares. The people don't care. The man in the street or the woman doesn't care. But the guys running the scam do care. And that's it in a nutshell. But you're right. It points out their guilt for sure. Yeah. Okay, um, I caught a video, um, and I didn't know that it was actually posted on your feed until I sort of clicked on it because it, I came to it through someone else's feed. And that was a video that someone's put together, it might, it might have been you or the one that you've come across, with the Joker. I forget the actor's name. is the Aussie guy who played the Joker. I think he's dead now, but he's in there. And then it, it has all these clips from mainstream media um, of – of the COVID narrative, and it's mind-blowing to watch, actually. We're, tell us about that. It, it's the concentrated, very concentrated sort of narrative video, one of the best ones I've seen. Yeah, it's it's stunning, and I shared it actually a year or more ago. Okay. I, I found it recently, and I just downloaded it from my own tweet, and I re-uploaded it, and it's extremely popular. So it's got three quarters of a million views in Twitter in a couple of days and 5,000 retweets, which wow. is a lot of traction uh, for my account generally. So hugely popular. But it just it shows that actor in the, in the um, Batman video, and he basically says to camera, it's a great clip, and he basically said, you know, when the chips are down, he said, all of these civilized people, uh, they'll eat each other. And then it goes <laughs> yeah. straight into CNN and all the characters that were on the mainstream media, primarily in America, and what they said. And it's basically astonishing. It's hard to believe. It's a pinch yourself video. And you've got Colbert and everything. And they're shouting out of the screen. The unvaccinated are the problem. The unvaccinated, they need to be excluded from society. They have Biden. They have that kind of Chinese extraction Canadian, Dr. Tam. Mm. And they have, of course, Schwarzenegger saying, screw your freedoms. And Whoopi yeah. Goldberg, the whole lot of them, Howard Stern. When are we going to put, stop putting up with the idiots in this country and just say it's mandatory to be vaccinated? F them. You know, and it just rolls for three minutes, like probably 50 clips. And it just shows us and reminds us it's so important that all of mainstream and celebrities were screaming at us. The unvaccinated were unclean and they needed to be excluded and they pretty much needed to be held down and injected. Well, it's Jimmy, one of the clips that really blew me away and they're all, you know, they're all shocking, but it was Jimmy Kimmel the one I remember, let me put it that way. And, and you know, he's doing his little stand-up routine. Everyone's laughing. Um, the monologue for a show was part of it. And it was like um, a guy turns up at a hospital having a heart attack. Have you been vaxxed? Come right this way, sir. Haven't been vaxxed? And, and I don't remember the exact line, but it's like, oh. good, good luck. You know, you, basically, you're dead. Yeah, he said something like, tough luck, wheezy. That's right, tough luck, yeah. wheezy. Tough yeah. luck, wheezy. I mean, so and then they're all like goons, all clapping like, you know, seals. It, it was a shocker, actually. It, 
absolutely astonishing and uh, I actually see it's playing with no sound in the background of my laptop here and, and Kimmel's just come up what an, a loathsome prick I mean just shocking but you know there was an image and you were saying clapping like seals there was an image in Ireland that just comes back to me the late late show after masks were not mandatory anymore anywhere and the late late show for the following weeks the biggest show in Ireland effectively the camera would pan and the whole audience was masked and the presenter and all the other people were laughing and chatting up on the stage with no masks. And like all you can think of is seals. And there was a, a video done the Late Late Show showing that the host was saying we all needed to hold tight and stay locked down because the cavalry was coming. The vaccine was coming. We all needed to hold it was get, it was hard to keep it up. We all needed to do it. An impassioned, emotional speech he gave. And at the end of that clip, where there was very funny subtitles put up, taking the piss out of this nonsense, at the end of the clip, they played the theme music, famous theme music, The Late Late Show. And they showed an old clip of a farmer and his son, and they have a, a kind of an iron uh, slide and the sheep are put down butt first, upside <laughs> down into the slide. And it's for injecting sheep. And they slide oh, them down well, and the yeah. father injects them and then opens a gate and the sheep falls out in the field and the next one slides down. And they show that clip with the Late Late Show music. And that was it. Literally sheep. It's, it's astonishing. Yeah. And to see them <laughs> concentrated in a row like that is, yeah, you... you, you the madness just comes right back. Okay, so um, we're coming up against time. How do you think, um, you know, you don't need, need to have a long-winded um, explanation or comment about this, but how do you think next year is going to be? My feeling is, uh, from our down here, is that it's probably going to be just as turbulent and choppy and maybe a little more, given the conflicts in the world now and, and everything that's happening, uh, than 2023. What, what's your reading, do you think? Yeah, I I think it's going to be, I think it was Cold, or not Colbert, the other guy, no, I forget his name, the, the, the Corbett Report. Yeah. He had an interview with Dr. Nordgaard and basically said, you know, we're going to win eventually. Humanity always does. But he said the next 10 years or so, you know, there's going to be some dark times. Uh, there's going to be plenty of fireworks. And I tend to agree. So all stops are out now. Um, it's all to play for for the bad guys, and they got to win uh, or see seventy or eighty years of preparation like begin to fail. And after the success of COVID, uh, they don't they're not going to let that happen uh, without a fight. So I think we're going to see we're going to see the world health regulations going through. We're going to see a lot of pushback. We're going to have um, escalation probably in the east with Iran. You know, that's a proxy war that will be forced. We're going to have financial world disruption, possibly a major kind of crash. And that might be used to force feed in the central bank digital currency. Uh, so all these tools of oppression and control, uh, we're going to see attempts to push them through in the coming year or two. What do you so, think yeah, will happen I, in they, Ukraine? What do you think will happen in Ukraine, given so many people <clears throat> are dead now? Um, family's incredibly bitter. The whole thing could turn to a horrible mess. Russia's clearly won. The Americans are 
uh, towing on the money now. So what do you reckon might happen there? Yeah, I saw recently they're talking about putting in Western forces into Ukraine now that they've depleted um, in the kind of the butcher shop that Ukraine has been. And that's crazy stuff, obviously escalating with Putin. Putin's a nuclear power. Uh, Russia could manage that war with one hand tied behind its back. And indeed, they did. They got all their um, dollars confiscated and all the other censorship and abuse. Uh, but... I don't know if they push that, that's, that is extremely dangerous. And I think they might talk it up, but not actually push it through. I wonder is Gaza, Iran and, and uh, that kind of theater, maybe more the play in the coming year that they'll go after Iran. Remember Iran and Saudi Arabia have now joined the BRICS nations. Mm, so they're mm. moving away from the dollar and that's, that, that's another one that cannot be allowed. Um, if Saudi Arabia had started negotiations with Israel to maybe begin to resolve the issues over there. And that's like, forget about it for the US. So I, I think that whole theater of, of proxy war uh, and fraudulent wars might be more important than Ukraine now. Maybe Ukraine, they've got what they wanted. They've isolated Russia. Uh, they blew up the gas prices and they literally they blew up the, the gas pipeline. Yeah. And they moved Western uh, Germany away from Russia. So maybe they'll say, right. okay, OK, yeah, yeah, that that was clearly made to isolate Russia and to West Germany or Germany, I should say, it used to be West Germany, has gotten closer and closer to Russia with with fuel agreements and all the rest. So now they've gone in and they've separated Europe again, they've properly from Russia and they've isolated Russia. And maybe that's that they've got what they want there, possibly. Well, at the expense of half a million Ukrainian lives, perhaps, but okay. Who's counting? Yeah, just a quick last point on that, Paul. I made this point before about people thinking X or Y is a conspiracy theory. So people should never forget that the Gulf War was 100% validated as a total scam, yep. right, when they went after Saddam. That was published in all our mainstream back in the day. And we know that Blair and Bush and all the guys up top pushed through a completely uh, fraudulent war. And the BBC estimated from papers 450,000 civilians, men, women, and children died as a result of the invasion and the toppling of Iraq and Hussein. So we know for an absolute documented fact that they'll kill half a million civilians without a second thought for geopolitical goals. We know that because it's all published. So yeah, half a million Ukrainian young men, irrelevant totally irrelevant to the people who who effectively run the world it's stunning um yeah. Ivor, it's, it's been great that uh, you've been able to um come on our radio program for well a good part of the year as it turns out now thank you for doing that it's been fascinating uh hearing what you um have to say and and uh, what you know hopefully we can do it again i'm pretty sure we can do it again um in 2024 have a great christmas and a happy new year I think it's okay to still say that to people. And um, and we want to thank you again for your contribution to making our station great. We're doing really well. 
Excellent job, Paul, and, and, and your whole team. And uh, love being on, love talking honestly. And indeed, happy Christmas. I certainly will keep saying that. Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So connect with us today.